In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. I want to speak a little bit about what the resurrection means to us in our lives and what problem it is solving. When God created Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he never intended for them to experience any kind of death whatsoever. The thing that maybe frightens us as human beings, the things that we maybe dread um, for our entire life and the fear of death and the change that will happen and all the questions of the uncertainty and seeing even our loved ones who are alive one day and gone the next day and all the pain that that brings with it, all of this was never the intention of God and that there was never any time where God intended for us to experience any kind of death because actually he is the source of life and with him there is no death at all and there is no even concept of death or the cessation of life. And so when we celebrate the resurrection, what we are celebrating is the restoration of the natural order, the restoration of what God had intended from the beginning to restore us from this life where we experience death, experience death in so many different kinds of ways to a life of resurrection, a life of eternal um, being alive, not, not, not ever ceasing this life, that this life is eternal. It is not something that we possess for a time and it ceases, but it's something that lasts forever. Also, the life that God gives us is a life of fullness and abundance, not simply a life of existing, of surviving, of managing to get through, but a life of fullness, a life where we are given all the things that we need. And so I want to speak a little bit about in what ways does this miracle of the resurrection that the Lord performed for our sake reverse the calamity of death that came upon us in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned against God. The first point is that resur resurrection, of course, grants us eternal life. When we were separated from God, we became sub subject to corruption. And the, the, the nature that we had been given by God of purity and goodness and wholeness what was severely corrupted and changed. In John 14, it says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Uh, in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you and so the suffering and the death that we experience here in this life is temporary and the Lord said that by going up, up to heaven again he prepares for us mansions of course this word mansions is maybe difficult for us to understand what does it mean for a mansion this is a way for the Lord to express to us some beautiful place some beautiful dwelling a place that maybe people long to live in or seeing the luxury and the joy of people who are wealthy and living in a very nice place the Lord is trying to appeal to our senses and to make it known to us what is it that is waiting for us in heaven that the Lord goes there to grant us these beautiful dwelling places and that these places we are, are never going to cease they're never going to be corrupted they're never going to be destroyed they're never going to need maintenance they're, they're everything about them will be beautiful and will last forever eternally so of course the resurrection granted us not just life but eternal life a life with the Lord forever the second thing that the resurrection did to reverse the power of death is that resurrection grants us power over sin and temptation when we were separated from God we grew bolder in our desire for sin we we grew more accustomed to sin we became more attracted to sin the corruption in our nature that came from the first sin that we committed caused us not only to be separated from God but to continue to draw further and further away from him almost in experimentation with further types of corruption with further types of dissipation of immorality of the things that even people nowadays are inventing different ways of sin and different ways of corruption and immorality that maybe even in the past had not existed existed so this separation um, from God because of our sin brought death 
but in the resurrection, the Lord restores us again. Not only to raise us physically, but to raise our spirit, so to, to raise our nature, to raise our desires, so that we no longer love sin, so that we no longer desire the things of the flesh, but we desire the things of the spirit. In Ephesians 4, it says that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. This renewal that the Lord gives us in our mind, in our hearts, in our whole being, is so that we no longer live our lives to satisfy the corrupted flesh, but we live our lives to satisfy the spirit that the Lord placed in us. And so the resurrection allows us to defeat these desires and to grow and to advance and to draw closer to God and to experience the spiritual renewal. The third way that the resurrection reverses the power of death is that the resurrection grants us forgiveness and also the power to forgive. In death, we had no opportunity to be forgiven. The sin that Adam and Eve committed, there was no forgiveness of it. There was no way that the Lord would come and say, well, I give you a second chance because we became separated from him and his perfection. Our sin against him was complete. We disobeyed him, we rejected him, we, we turned aside from his commandments, and so we had to experience the separation, the inevitable separation that would happen, which was complete death, complete separation from God. But the Lord, not happy to be in, for us to exist in this state, offered us forgiveness. And maybe forgiveness is something that now we take for granted, that whenever we call upon the Lord and ask for his forgiveness and we repent of our sins, no matter how many times we sin, no matter how many times we commit the same, same sin again and again, maybe we take for granted now that the Lord is merciful and good. But actually at the time of Adam and Eve, there was nothing at all that could restore us again. There was nothing that could bring the, about the forgiveness of sins. This is why the Lord had to come in himself, himself in his incarnation, and to live his life as a human being and to suffer and die for our sake and to be lifted up and resurrected again. All of this plan of salvation that the Lord did, that we celebrate today, was so that the Lord could heal, so that the Lord could forgive, so that the Lord could open the gates of paradise as we just um, reenacted in the reenactment of the resurrection and allow us to enter in and to live with him and to dwell in these beautiful places that he called us for. In Psalm 103, it says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. This is the extent to which the Lord has forgiven, that he forgives and he removes and that those things are in the past. This is a message of hope to all of us, that while we are living in sin, it is a state of death. It is a state of separation from God. It is a state that does not bring us closer to life, but further away from life. And yet, in the resurrection, we find complete forgiveness. We find healing. We find the Lord bringing us back closer again, even though we are undeserving. Not because now we have become holy and righteous people, but because the Lord has offered us forgiveness, even while we can continue to be sinners when he sees our genuine repentance. So this is the forgiveness we receive. The resurrection then also gives us the ability to forgive others that just as I have been forgiven, just as I have received this mercy and this gift from God, so also I can offer this mercy and this gift and this grace to other people so that I can be reconciled not only with God, but also with the children of God, with those people whom God has placed in my life and he seeks for me to forgive um, for whatever transgressions they committed against me. 
The fourth way that the resurrection is a reversal of death is that it grants us the power over sadness and hopelessness. Death does not come only in the physical form, where a person physically dies, and not just even in the spiritual form, which is a separation from God, but it also comes in the emotional form, which is a sense of despair and sadness and hopelessness that so many people live with their entire life, that even though we could say about them that they are alive, and yet they live as though they are already dead. They live as though there is no, no nothing that, that, that is good in the world. They ha do not live with contentment. They do not live with hope. They do not live with a sense of fulfillment or satisfaction or that they have any purpose. And nowadays, people do not even know who they are. They try to identify as so many different things, hoping that once they find the identity that they are supposedly are, that they will find fulfillment and satisfaction. But of course, we know that the only identity that we are created in is in the image of God. And to, to find our true purpose and our true satisfaction is to be fulfilled and to find that identity only in Christ. So not only is there this spiritual death, but there is this emotional death. In Psalm 34, it says, The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Meaning the resurrection offers us hope, hope in a better type of life. Even if we find that the problems that we still struggle with and have in this life, in, our, in ourselves, in our, in our lives with other people, even if these problems are not eradicated, even if these problems do not just immediately disappear, although we believe that God does help us in them. But he does do several things. Number one, he can grant us peace even in the midst of our circumstances. That even though the things around me might be chaotic and difficult, and yet I turn to the Lord and in my spirit I find peace in him. The second thing is, even if in my life I will struggle even to the very last day of my life, but we believe that there is an end to the struggle at that point. That there is, uh, again, as we mentioned before, these mansions in heaven that the Lord has prepared for us, that there is a holy life, a peaceful life, a serene life, a, a life filled with nothing but good things that is intended to satisfy all of the needs of humanity the way that God had originally intended from the beginning. And so this brings us joy. When we meditate on this, when we really think about it, it brings us joy. Maybe sometimes even we as Christians who struggle to have hope is because we don't spend enough time meditating and truly believing in what is it that God has accomplished? What is it that he has prepared for us? What is it that he has in store for us that we are waiting to receive? That if we truly understood and believed that God really has done all these things and that the rest of our eternal life is going to be spent in a place that's the completely opposite of the corrupted world that we have today, then this in itself would be a source of great joy. This would bring us joy every day when we wake up and we know this is one day closer that I have to this eternal life that the Lord has prepared for me. So in the resurrection, he reverses the power of death that brought about sadness and hopelessness and gives us hope and joy. The fifth way that the resurrection reverses the power of death is that in separation, we became prideful. And so resurrection grants us the ability and the power to submit our will again to God. What is wrong with our will? The, what is wrong with our will is that it is corrupted. It does not tell us the truth. The things that we desire so oftentimes are actually damaging to us. They actually are destroying us. A person who is, for instance, maybe addicted to a drug, they desire this drug thinking that it is satisfying them when actually it is the source of their destruction. And if you take this analogy of th this drug abuse 
and expand it to all the types of sins, the things that we're addicted to, the things that are the habits that we have, the ways that we want to live our life, we find that our will is, is, is lying to us. It is, it is causing us to reach out and to grab hold of the thing which actually kills us. And so in the resurrection, the Lord purifies our will. He cleanses it. He makes it to love the things that God loves and to hate the things that God hates and allows us to submit our will to him and to see the world in a completely different way. To see that all the commandments of God are not actually restrictive, but they are the true source of freedom. They are the true source of restoration and health. And so we wait on him to fully reveal his will to us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. The Lord calls us to a life of humility. A life of humility is simply knowing ourselves of what we are, that we are made of dust, not acting as though we are less than what we think of ourselves, but to know actually that we are made of dust. What are we compared to the Lord? And the Lord calls us in his love to a better life, and the wise are those who seek after it and, 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 and submit their own will to him and follow his ways. The last point I want to mention is the resurrection reverses the power of death because it makes us in need of nothing. In death, we became in need of so many things, and so many of those things that we think that we need are actually destructive. So many things we think we need are actually damaging and harmful to us. But in the resurrection, the Lord made us in need of nothing because he himself is the only thing we need, and he himself promised that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us, that he would never go away from us. Maybe we think ourselves in need of so many things, but those things are in short supply. We, we, we are in need of food, but there is a limited amount. We are in need of water, but there is a limited amount. We feel like we are in need of loved ones and other people in our life, but every, every once in a while and inevitably, all of the people in our life that we love will one day depart and they will not be with us anymore. So what is it that we truly need that will never depart from us? It is the Lord himself. When speaking to the Samaritan woman, the Lord said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Meaning all of our needs will be met in him. And in such way, the Lord reverses the power of death that sapped and sucked away from us all that was good and that took the, the beautiful thing that God had made, corrupted it, and brought it down to nothing. The Lord restores us again, and he gives us in, in fullness and abundance everything that we desire. So in this resurrection season and during these coming holy 50 days, let's meditate on all the ways that the Lord satisfies, all the way that the Lord resurrects us, brings us back to life again, and to make use of all of his promises and to bow down before him and to seek his grace and his mercy. And glory be to God forever. Amen.